Welcome to the PR Matters Podcast, survival tips for church communicators, hosted by Justin Dean. Get your copy of Justin's new book, PR Matters, at churchprbook.com. Hey, welcome back to the PR Matters Podcast. I'm Justin Dean, and I'm reading through my book, PR Matters, a survival guide for church communicators. We're going to dive right in to chapter five, and I appreciate you so much for listening along And truly, I hope this is helpful for your church. Please, if you ever have any questions or needs or your church is struggling to create this content or struggling to work through a crisis, please reach out to me on Twitter at justinjdean.com or you can reach me through the book website churchprbook.com. And while you're there, you can find a lot of extra resources that come along with the book for free at churchprbook.com. So chapter five, we're going to talk about relationships. Relationships matter. Gary Vaynerchuk, one of my, uh, I just love Gary Vaynerchuk. He's not a Christian as far as I know, probably definitely not, but he is an incredible entrepreneur uh, and just visionary and just an incredible guy. Puts out a ton of great content that uh, the church can definitely learn from, but uh, be careful looking up his content. Uh, He does cuss a lot. Um, but honestly, it's it's worth it. And uh, one of his great quotes is, Relationships are leverage. If you give value to someone else first, you have leverage. It's as simple as that. And in chapter 5, the most important part of public, relationships, of public relations is relationship building. The most important part of public relations is relationship building. Relationships are what sets public relations apart from marketing in advertising. Marketing is the overall process of boosting awareness of something to a specific audience. It's focused on promoting and selling a specific product or service. Traditionally, this is done through paid TV, radio, print advertisements, as well as through ads and messages on social media and digital platforms. Think of it as telling a person how they should feel or what they should do. Whereas public relations is all about managing the perception and reputation of the brand as a whole. It's about managing how people feel and react to whatever it is that you are promoting through your marketing and advertising efforts. Practically, it means leveraging relationships to get people to talk about you and what you have to offer. It has been said that advertising is paid media, public relations is earned media. Advertising is paid media. Public relations is earned media. When a third party shares their perspective or feelings about your product, service, company, or church, then that's public relations at work. Through relationship building, we can get people to start talking about your church and ensure that the overall public perception aligns with who you really are and what you care about. So who should you be building relationships with? I believe you should be building and maintaining relationships with everyone and anyone. This is particularly true of a church. Isn't our goal to reach everyone and anyone just like Jesus? The more people you who know about your church and develop a positive perception of your church, the better, particularly in your context, in your community, in your neighborhood. However, there are a few categories of people that you should strategically have as part of your public relations plan. That'll be press and media, so local and national media contacts, bloggers, other churches, your community, both online and offline, and thought leaders, 
We'll walk through each one of those in a moment. The key to maintaining great relationships with these groups is to get to know them and anticipate their needs. Then provide them as much value as you can. Let's look at each type of relationship you need to build and how you can get better and how you can get to know them and their needs. First, let's talk about press and media because the opportunity here uh, is enormous for your church and this often goes unlooked. Whether it comes to pitching a story or replying to an inquiry from a reporter, relationships are going to be what matters most. You can send out a pitch every week and never see your church in the news. Everyone knows controversy, sex, and scandal are what sells. So why would a reporter write about your food drive or how great your Easter services are going to be? This is where building relationships with reporters, journalists, editors, and bloggers can really come in handy. If they know you and respect you already then your pictures are going to take are going to be taken more seriously. In fact, if done right, they won't even seem like pitches. Getting to know your reporters is key to being able to help them get the story right. Oftentimes you're going to be putting the responsibility of sharing the story of your church and hopefully the gospel with someone who may not be a believer. The chances of them articulating it well enough to the public are very slim. It depends on how well you communicated it to them, but it also has a lot to do with how well they know you and trust you. When it comes time to promote something good that your church did, you're going to need the press to spread the word. Your blog and your Twitter account can only reach a select audience of people who are already your fans. An article in a local newspaper or a spot on evening news can help you reach a wider audience of unchurched people. So when a false accusation is thrown your way, it's going to be a lot easier to get your quote out there when you have somebody who already knows you and who you already work with. You can't just send out a press release and hope that they pick up the story and get your side of it right. Getting to know your local reporters is easier than you think. Start by making a media contact list for your area. When building a media contact list, you can use uh, apps like Feedly, you can subscribe to RSS feeds from all the major papers, as well as the smaller ones, even the community papers and blogs. As you read and skim through the articles about your community, take note of who is writing articles that you enjoy. Pay particular attention to anyone writing articles about your church or other churches in the area. Then email everyone on that contact list and send them a personal greeting. If you liked something in the article they wrote, link to the article and tell them what you liked. Use this as a way to introduce yourself to them. Don't ever pitch them a story on your first contact. You want to butter them up, provide them value, get to know them. You're just building relationships at this point. Just introduce yourself, offer some flattery, leave them with your contact information, and be done. Move on to the next step. You're just flirting a bit here. You're not asking them to marry you just yet. Here's an example of something that I've sent to a local reporter in the past uh, that we wanted to get to know. Simply was just a message that said, Hi, my name's Justin. I'm the communications director at Plug In Your Church. I noticed you wrote a lot about the local community here in the neighborhood, and I wanted you to know that we appreciate your work. The article yesterday about the food bank was powerful. Thanks for taking the time to share so many details about the families that they were serving. That kind of stuff is super important to us. If you ever need anything or want to chat about our church, just let me know. I wanted to make sure you had a contact person here, so please find my personal cell number below. And that was it. I didn't ask or expect anything. It was casual and loose. I was just saying hello, complimenting them, and making sure that they had my contact info. 
Now, if something about the church comes up, they have a name and a direct phone number of someone to call. And in my experience, they will. I sent out an email like that to a local reporter, and the next article they wrote included a quote from me and was a more complete story because he reached out. He had my direct info, make it really easy to for them to contact you. And uh, they're not going to harass you. They're not going to call you all the time. They'll, they'll use it only when they need it. So make sure you're, you're easy to get a hold of. But uh, they did. They reached out and they said, hey, we need a quote for this next story. All they're trying to do is, is put together their stories. And if you make it really, really easy uh, to be a part of them, then that's all it takes. Had I not reached out to them, they would have either uh, published without our input or they would have had to go through all the trouble of trying to find someone to talk to at our church. And they really just don't have uh, that time to dig around anymore. You got to put yourself in their shoes and get to know their needs. Reporters usually have multiple articles that they have to get out per day. The less time they have to spend hunting people down for quotes, the better. So they're going to call who they know first. You want to make sure that that's you. This means when they're fishing for an extra story, you also want to be accessible to them. It was one thing to get a call when they were following up on a story about us, but once I started building relationships with these reporters, I started getting cold calls from them fishing for stories when it was slow. Those were the best because that gave us an opportunity to be on the offense and not the defense. We could share about the great things that were going on in our church and that we were doing, and we could get more exposure for the church. Articles that typically wouldn't see the light of day were actually getting published because they need a story and we're able to provide it to them. This is an important goal of building relationships with reporters and journalists, to be able to earn their trust and respect by providing value so you can get better opportunities to share what is going on at your church. When that happens, we get to be in a position of influence over the community and culture around us. I had an interesting encounter with a well-known Christian news website early on in my ministry role. I'm not going to name who they are. It's irrelevant to the story here. There was a certain reporter who was constantly writing what I would call hit pieces on our church. Most of the time, her articles were full of misinformation and, and exaggerations. In articles that were clearly news stories and not opinion pieces, she would let her bias against our church shine brightly. Despite my efforts to contact her and offer our side of the story, she never once interviewed me or contacted us, despite writing about us almost weekly. I finally reached out to her editor, simply told him that we expected more from a Christian news organization. We really believed at the time that they were positioned to be the leading voice in the media for the church as a whole, and it was disappointing that they were letting such nonsense about us be published on their site presumably just to get more page views and ad dollars. I also let him know what I did like. There was another reporter at the time who also wrote about our church pretty frequently. His articles weren't always in our favor, but they were always balanced and well thought out, and he always had the decency to reach out to me for quotes and more information. He's part of a dying breed of journalists who actually respect, respect their craft and respect other people. And Working for a Christian news organization, it was clear that he loved the church. I simply explained to the editor the difference between this reporter and the one who kept slamming us and how he, we'd be more than willing to work with them so long as they acted like real journalists. To their credit, the editor quickly took action to make things right. Within a few days, we were notified that the reporter was let go from staff. And her articles were removed from the site. Apparently, some of them had been published without an editor even reviewing them first, which is crazy. This is how it works in today's world of ad revenue and page views. A smaller 
online, as a smaller online only media outlet, they were just trying to keep up and stay alive, but at the expense of our reputation. I wasn't going to stand for that. I was shocked to hear this. I told the editor that they didn't have control of their own newsroom, then we were going to shut them out completely. I wasn't asking for the articles to be more positive about us. I just wanted them to at least have the decency to reach out to us to follow proper editorial standards. If the articles weren't positive anyway, I had nothing to lose by being a bit aggressive with them. I told them I had hoped to give them unfettered access to me and the church if they ever needed quotes or clarification on a story, but not if they continued to let their reporters go unchecked. I knew we had a bit of leverage because articles with our church and our pastor featured in featured in them obviously did well on their site, or they wouldn't keep writing them. A few days later, the editor called me back and wanted to let me know about additional changes that they were making in the organization based on my feedback. They completely revamped their editorial process and assured me that they were taking steps to become a more reputable news organization. He even invited me to attend their weekly conference calls with the editorial management team so I could listen in on the changes being made and the way that they were actually pitching stories. It was a thrilling to be a part of that process for a few months. I continued to build on the relationship and the other reporters and the editor, and it resulted in some pretty consistent coverage on what the church was doing. We were also able to submit a ton of op-ed pieces and articles of our own. Even when they'd write articles that weren't so positive, they'd add our voice and our side to the story. And when we had something to share, they were more receptive to publishing something about it. It paid off to stand up to them and offer them candid feedback on on how we were being treated. I knew a better way was possible and wasn't afraid to ask for it. It set the tone for how I handled relationships with most reporters, even at large secular news organizations. It didn't always work out, but it helped me know who to filter out and who to continue developing relationships with. You're not going to be friends with everyone. The local alternative newspaper in Seattle, for example, was never fair in their coverage of us. They're an ultra-liberal, very anti-Christian organization, so it wasn't surprising. It got to the point, though, that with them, where it just really wasn't worth even replying to their inquiries because we always ended up being misquoted and entirely misrepresented. There was no way to make that right or make it positive for the church at all. Knowing your local reporters well can also have a lasting impact on the kingdom that you may not have even considered. We got a call one day at our church from the Seattle Times. They were planning on doing a big feature story on the church and wanted to send a photojournalist to shadow our senior pastor for a whole day. They sent an award-winning photographer and journalist to capture the story as the lead pastor of one of the fastest-growing churches in America. After a day of following our pastor around, riding in his truck, learning about his life, the reporter gave his life to the Lord. He later left his bustling news career and went on to become a pastor, leading our largest church campus. You never know how God is going to use a story about your church. We encountered plenty of other stories when someone read an article about us, even a not-so-positive one, and decided to give our church a try for themselves. I guess that's why they say no press is bad press. Next, bloggers. You want to build relationships with bloggers. In his book, Trust Me Online, self-proclaimed media manipulator Ryan Holiday explains how he was successful in marketing movies, books, and other products for his clients by exploiting stories through smaller niche blogs and trading his stories up the chain to larger sites, news organizations, and even national TV. He often did so by tipping off blogs, using fake email addresses, and made-up stories, creating news and buzz from basically nothing. When it comes to manipulating the media, Ryan's the man. 
or at least he used to be. His books are more of a warning about the fallacy of the media and, and not really tips on how to manipulate it. Blogs, he, he, here's a quote from his book. Blogs have enormous influence over other blogs, making it possible to turn a post on a site with only a little traffic into posts on much bigger sites if the later happens to read the former. Blogs compete to get stories first, newspapers compete to confirm it, and then pundits compete for airtime to opine on it. The smaller site legitimizes the newsworthy the smaller sites legitimize the newsworthiness of the story for the sites with bigger audiences. Conse- consequently and concurrently, this pattern inherently distorts and exaggerates whatever they cover. As church communicators, using tactics like this would force us to lie, gossip, cheat, maybe even steal. It certainly helps perpetuate the distribution of misinformation and fake news. I'm certainly not making the case for doing anything shady or dishonest, but knowing how the system works can help you navigate it better when trying to get your story out there. If anything, this proves that replying to the blogger who is writing a post about your church can be just as important as replying to the New York Times. Just because one is a major reputable news organization and the other may very well just be a guy in his pajamas working from his mom's basement doesn't mean that what they write can't make waves in the community or even nationwide. In today's world of tight deadlines and unreasonable quotas, reporters aren't taking the time that they should be taking to verify sources or quotes. If a blogger publishes it, then they can quote the blogger and move on to the next story. No need to verify if the quote was written down correctly, learn more about the context, or or verify if it was even said at all. If something needs to be corrected later, they'll just post an update to the story and blame the blogger. Never mind that most people will have already read the story, and no one will go back to read the update. Isn't that crazy how that works today? A blogger can write about anything, and it can be picked up by major newspapers as if it's fact, as if it actually happened. All they have to do is issue an update later if anything goes wrong. I've seen the New York Times, Washington Post, The Blaze, Daily Beast, and Huffington Post all quote me from posts by no-name bloggers without ever reaching out to me to verify that the quote existed or ask for more information. Sometimes they'll even republish the blog post word for word without writing a news story. It's quite amazing. I find it remarkable that anyone with a laptop can now be a reporter. These days, anyone can write a blog post, and if the subject is good enough, it can be picked up and republished on Huffington Post or Daily Beast and attributed to that blogger as if they're a real journalist with an editor and years of training. But that's just not true. I applaud the advancement in technology. It's a crazy time to be alive with how much information is posted every day. But the cost of speed and efficiency has been quality control and fact-checking. The high standards of journalism have taken a nosedive across the board, and the public is generally oblivious to it or really too busy to care. In the same way we buy food from the grocery store or order food at a restaurant, trust the government has done its job to regulate and protect us from harmful products and food handling practices, we blindly trust anything we read. At least at a restaurant, we can check the latest health rating and inspection report. But when you read a news article, there's nothing showing that they've checked their facts, where the sources came from. They don't even have to name their sources. You've got to dig pretty deep these days to inspect a news story. Have you ever looked into who wrote that article you just read? 
How often do you click the links and dig deeper into the sources, or even check who wrote it and, what, and the other things that they've written? We read something online or in the newspaper, and it just inherently comes across as fact. If the back, in the back of our minds, we just assume we aren't being manipulated or lied to. So don't brush off the local blogger as a nobody or a small opportunity. You never know who might pick up the story. And if they get something wrong, be quick to request changes before someone quotes it. Once it gets quoted, it can take on a life of its own. Then you're not only requesting changes from the source, but the 10 other sites who also copied and pasted it. By the time it's all fixed, if it even gets fixed, the bad information has already been read so many times and you've lost control of the story. Next, you want to create relationships with other churches. Building relationships is something that should go well beyond just press and bloggers. It's important to build relationships everywhere you go. To build a better perception of your church, the more people who get to know you, the better. When it comes to other churches, remember, we're all on the same team. Don't wall yourself off from other churches or hold your best ideas for yourself. Don't just watch what other churches are doing from afar. Seek to collaborate with them. Invite other communications directors out to lunch or over to your church to sit down with the team. If you just completed a really successful sermon series or marketing campaign, package it up, throw it online for free, or share it with your colleagues. Join one of these church communications Facebook groups and share it there. Again, the best way to build a great relationship with someone is to anticipate their needs, try to add value to their lives. If your church has something to share that can help other churches, then don't hold back on the generosity. If you're a smaller church, don't criticize the big mega church in town. This makes me so sad when I hear it. Every time you point out the weakness or differences in a big church in order to show the strengths of your smaller church, that's just not loving and it's just not helpful. That's not how you want to grow your church. One of the best ways to get to know people who do what you do and build relationships with other churches is to join these Facebook groups that are online. There can be a lot of noise to sort through from time to time, but there's also a lot to learn and plenty of opportunity to get to know your peers. You're not alone. There are thousands of people just like you at churches just like yours, as well as churches bigger and smaller than yours. Next, you want to build relationships in your community. Getting out in the community and meeting people outside your building should be a big priority for your church. God commanded us to go and tell, but, for, but so much of what we do as a church is come and see. Be active in your community and engage people where they are. This means participating in community events, city-sponsored activities, restaurants, sports, and more. The more you can get out and meet people as a church, the more they'll get to know the real you. This is where a good branding strategy can also help maximize your PR efforts. Consider branded t-shirts, car decals, coffee mugs, signage, and other marketing materials that can help bring more visibility to your church and message. A church that does a great job at this is Gwinnett Church in Sugar Hill, Georgia. They're a satellite campus of North Point Ministries, and it's led by Jeff Henderson. Even before the church launched and moved into its building, they would use the hashtag for Gwinnett to spread their message. Even during construction of the building, the sign on the road, it just read for Gwinnett. It didn't have service times. It didn't have coming soon. didn't have the name of the church. It literally just said hashtag for Gwinnett. They also handed out car decals and t-shirts to just about every churchgoer, even during the early stages when they would meet at another church and in people's homes. The idea is that the church as a whole has long been known for what we are against, and they want to be a church that is known for what they are for. Gwinnett is the county that the church serves, so they decided they want to be known for loving the community of Gwinnett. 
when people when people would see the sign on the road or people wearing t-shirts, they'd either stop and ask what it was, or they'd look it up with the hashtag online. The hashtag for Gwinnett campaign has been a great way to start conversations, build relationships, and bring positive awareness not only about the church, but about what the church stands for. Social media is also a great way to not only engage with your local community, but your broader online community as well. It could be one of the easiest ways to reach the majority of people in your area or or any area where you want to target. Start by engaging with the real people who follow you. Stop using Facebook and Twitter as just a platform for promotions and distributing content. Producing and posting great content is huge, but that has to only be a part of your strategy. You need to be listening to others and actively engaging and building relationships with people online. Don't be the church that just posts blog posts and announcement after announcement without any personality behind it or without any engagement with the real people who are reading it. Share and retweet what others are posting. Interact with people in the comments. Show some love and respect for the people you're trying so hard to reach. Let people get to know you and actually take the time to get to know them. Because someday, you might find yourself in a position where it's really important to clarify your message or correct a mistake. And you'll not only need people on your side, but you'll want as many people as possible to actually listen to what you're saying and not just blow you off. I can't emphasize enough how important this is. It's something that may seem like not a big deal now when things are going great. But when the time comes and you haven't put in the effort, it's going to come back and bite you. Next, local organizations. You should also reach out to organizations in your area and take people out for coffee and lunch. Just get to know them and see how you can meet their needs. The more people who know you in the community, the better. Not only is it more people who can say, yeah, I've heard of that church. I I know the pastor. He's a great guy. But it also means if they come across a bad article on the church, they'll read it with a bias. And they know that you're better than the media might be portraying you. You should know and build relationships with local shelters, food banks, and non-profits in your area as well. There may be some impactful ways that you can partner together, but at the very least you can support each other through prayer and get to know each other better based on your shared connection with the community. Also think about the local restaurants and small businesses that would love to have closer ties with your congregation. Nowhere else in the community do you see groups of people gather on a regular basis like you do with churches. Whether you have 100 people attending your church each week or 5,000, that's value for a local small business. Be careful not to turn your bulletin into a list of paid ads, and I definitely wouldn't ask your pastor to start wearing sponsored logos on his suit or hang a neon sign from the podium, but I don't see anything wrong with posting on Facebook that the local yogurt shop is offering 10% off after church or that the local pizza joint is a favorite spot for staff meetings. Too many churches are afraid to associate with organizations that aren't from the church, and it's really a shame because they're missing out on great opportunities to engage with the community where local business owners are in your community and people are visiting those local businesses as well. Next, thought leaders. One of the best ways you can get people talking about you is to get someone they already know and trust to start talking about you. Identify celebrities, other high-profile pastors, business leaders, and anyone else with a little blue check mark next to their name on Twitter and start building relationships with them. A retweet here and there from someone with influence and reach can add a ton of credibility for you. The next time you send out a press release, including a quote from a thought leader outside of your organization, will have a lot more pull than anything you wrote that is included from your pastor. 
Start by sharing their content and engaging with them on social media. Reach out and email people to tell them how much you and your church admire them. It's not hard to make new friends, even famous ones. You just have to get out there and try. Lastly, I want to talk about proximity. Proximity matters. Keep in mind that when it comes to building authentic relationships, you can't automate the process or hide behind a screen. Healthy relationships rely on human interaction. Have you ever made fun of someone, but then you meet them and you start to regret what you said? Maybe you still don't like them, but once you've made that human connection, it just changes the whole thing. That's because proximity matters. Any decent person responds positively to human interaction. You've really got to be calculated and intentional to be mean to someone to their face. But behind their back or in a comment on Facebook, it takes little effort at all to be mean. It's because proximity matters. When someone is right in front of you, and you can see that they are human, that they have a past and a future. You can see that they are created in God's image, just like you. You can see their expressions and feel their warmth, feel their sadness, feel their emotions. It changes things. Touch takes it a step further. Put your hand on someone's shoulder or elbow, and they'll instantly feel more trust between you. That's why the Bible tells us to lay hands on each other when we pray, because there is power in that type of interaction. We are wired for it. This matters because when people know you and are familiar with you, then they're more likely to give you the benefit of the doubt. This is important to think about when building relationships with anyone, especially reporters and people in the public outside your church. If someone is going to write a negative article about you, chances are the hit is going to be a bit softer if they know you or even if they've had some interaction with you. It's easy to write an article about someone whom you've never met and probably never will, but once you interact with them and you have a face and a memory attached to them, it makes it harder to be mean. Maybe you know a bit about their personal story and have seen pictures of their kids. It changes their perspective and tone. It, it might still come off negative, but it's going to be changed a bit. Get off the phone and away from your computer from time to time and make an effort to meet people for lunch and coffee. Do more video calls than phone calls. Visit businesses instead of just emailing them. If a reporter is doing a story on your church, invite them to church so they experience it firsthand. Getting to meet people and shake their hand will have a much more lasting impact. Now, I'm not a baseball fan. I'm not even a sports fan. But I am a Jimmy Fallon fan. My wife and I will stay up late a lot of nights just watching YouTube clips of Fallon. A while ago, I came across this clip where Jimmy Fallon was asking New York Yankees fans to boo Robinson Cano. Apparently, Cano left the Yankees for the Mariners for a $240 million contract. And that upset a lot of Yankees fans. Jimmy set up a cardboard cutout of Kano on the streets of New York and people and gave people the opportunity to boo it. People had fun going off on this cardboard cutout, yelling obscenities and throwing things, telling this guy how they really felt about him leaving. What they didn't realize was that the real Robinson Kano was hiding behind the cardboard cutout. As they were going off on the fake one, he would walk out and people would instantly change their attitude and demeanor. Most people apologized and shook his hand as they instantly became starstruck. A moment ago, they were cussing him out, being as mean as they possibly could be. But a moment ago, he wasn't a real person. He was just cardboard. Now that he's a real person living and breathing in front of them, they show him the proper respect that any human deserves. His proximity to them changed their perception and their actions. One guy even said, I still don't like what you did, but it's a pleasure to meet you, and I'd love to shake your hand. You need to get out in front of the booing. 
by building relationships and creating opportunities for people to get to know the real you. It can completely change the tone and message of any story about your church. I've met with reporters and bloggers who wrote bad stuff about us and completely turned around their perception of us and my perception of them just by meeting face-to-face and having a real conversation. I've de-escalated loud protests by offering coffee and shaking people's hands, even as they held signs calling me names. As a PR person, at least a third of your time should be physically spent simply communicating with and fostering relationships with others. Remember, PR is all about managing perception. The more people saying and thinking nice things about you, the better. It's the same game the media is playing with you. They know how to manipulate the public's perception in order to sell newspapers and get more clicks. Even the Christian media does this. Try reading an article on a Christian news site without closing four ads and panicking to find your mute button. They make their money off of each page view just like the other news outlets. If you aren't playing the game too, then you're going to lose by default. You've got to play but you've got to play with integrity and kindness. That means actually getting to know people because they are great people, not because you want to use them. That's it for Chapter 5. Next week, next episode, we'll go into Chapter 6, and I'll talk more about the power of the press. And I want to thank you again for listening. I hope this has been helpful. Again, if you want to pick up the book or more content, go to churchprbook.com dot com.